I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Clark Blue Podcast. My name is Dan Rowenson. I'm joined by a I'm in a good mood for a change, Matt Kendrick. Matt, how are you? Apart from being in a good mood. I'm absolutely buzzing, mate. I'm absolutely buzzing. Cristiano Ronaldo, Alex Ferguson, <laughs> Nick Hucknall, Chesney from Crossroads, Mark Goldbridge. Can you hear us? Your boys took one hell of a beating. Sounded a bit Welsh, that did it? went a bit Welsh rather than Norwegian. I'm buzzing. I'm absolutely buzzing. Waiting a really tell. Really, really long time for this, Dan. Really, really long time. How old are you? Well, that was on my first kind of port of call to get get out of the way, the elephant in the room. Uh, you know what? Quick early shout out for McDale. We're not even 60 seconds into a podcast and McDale's getting a shout out. He was sat in front of me today. Can you believe that? Well, never mind McDale, just beat Man United. No, no, no. 27 years, he's a lovely fella. But he was sat in front of me and we... We were chatting throughout the game, um, and he said, "Well, you know, it's been twenty-seven years and all this kind of thing, nineteen ninety-five." And I just went on early and just went, "I wasn't even born the last time we beat Man United at home." When were you, um, were you born in ninety-five? I was born in November, yeah. So I was I was on the way in August, but I, was, I hadn't quite popped out just yet. Um, so let's get that elephant out of the room. The last time we beat Man United, I wasn't even born. And quick quiz question: I've actually done some prep. Do you want to guess how many of the starting eleven today for Aston Villa were also I not game born? <laughs> they were also weren't born then. Oh, I thought you can ask me something easy like the scorers back then or something. Well, the flip um, side, who who were born? There was four uh, four players were alive the last time Villa beat United world. from the starting eleven that played today. Yeah. Oh, this was quite so easy. Older than, who's older than twenty-seven? Yeah. And Martinez, the older than twenty-seven. Martinez, yeah, that's one. Well, we need to hurry this up a little bit. <laughs> is Mings name? Mings is also older than 27, yes. Oh, blimey, blimey, blimey. Luca Dean? Luca Dean, yeah, one more. And this one is on the cusp because he was also born in 1995, the December, I think. Would it be Dendonka? Is he that? It would, they... yeah. Dendonka well, is the other one. Good one, Who will also be turning, what am I this year? Am I 27 this year? Yeah, 27. Am I? Yeah, 27 this year. Dendonka is also 27 this year in uh, December, I think it is. So those are the four players that were actually alive the last time. Ashley Young also is one that um, he didn't start today. Yeah. I don't know why I've gone early with a quiz, to be honest. That's not what the whole, how I thought this podcast was going to start. Oh, but no. It doesn't have to be a structure, does it? It's, uh, yeah, the, the, the hoodoo of not uh, not being able to beat, Aston, uh, beat Man United at Villa Park um, is over at last. Obviously, yeah, people in the comments saying Ash, uh, Danny Ings, yeah, also older than 27, but starting over now. Uh, yeah, so that's out of the way now. Good start for the new manager, isn't it? Not just beating Man United in terms of the isolation of that being a good result in, in this season, but getting that hoodoo out of the way as well. Good, good start for Emery, that. Yeah, got a lot. we just got to build the statue, get it done. Yeah, you know, get it done. You know, Goal plate it. Completes the double on, on Thursday night at Old Trafford in the Cup, then, you know, the freedom of the freedom of Birmingham should be his, I think. Uh, I did fear for him when I was walking to the game today, and he's actually hammering it down of rain. I'm thinking, you've left Spain <laughs> to come here. <laughs> uh, but hopefully the welcome that, that Villa Park gave him uh, and how his players 
you know, reciprocate, it will vindicate his decision. It's a really, really exciting, important start, Dan. I was probably a little bit doom and gloom in the sense that I was almost prepared to give him a free hit for these next three games. If we don't get anything, at least he's got a pre-season effectively and a chance to really get stuck into um, to the squad. Mm. But, you know, three points from 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 that, that fixture. And I thought we thoroughly deserved it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Well, absolutely brilliant. Mm. Yeah, let's um, try and do this chronologically to a, to a certain extent. I did say I wanted to touch on Emery's press conference, but we'll leave that till the end because I don't know whether we actually will talk about it. So let's go back to team news first of all. Um, Luca Dean comes comes back in freshly young, which possibly raised a couple of eyebrows, but um, didn't have a great. I mean, nobody had a great second half against Newcastle. To be fair, but Ashley Young and Almiron, and I think Murphy was playing up against him at some point as well. Ashley Young struggled against Newcastle, so Dean coming back and being fit as essentially first George left back paid a lot of money for him you know isn't um out of the realms of, of possibility of going well yeah Dean should be starting games and he's vindicated by scoring the free kick as well by the way and um, what did you think of the line when it first dropped through at Emery's first one Ramsey back into the fold as well uh, Martinez captain um Martinez keeps the captaincy armband by the way even though John McGinn comes on which hasn't happened before normally when John McGinn comes on he gets the armband off, who have off whoever has it um, but yeah, starting uh, starting eleven, his first one. What did you make of it at one o'clock? Legends, mate, my favourite eleven players ever, all of them. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, he can ultimately only pick from that squad of twenty-five players, you know, really, you know, or you know, the academy kids who are knocking around the edges of it. I thought it was, I thought it was interesting that McGinn stayed on the bench. Um he clearly had in his own mind what he thought could win that team and he was he was completely vindicated by it. Um yeah I don't I don't know. I don't know whether I don't think there's any any real surprises in it, but we don't know what he's seen, do we? Um mm. you know I wouldn't be surprised if you know we've got a cook down next anyway at Old Trafford, but I'm not necessarily I wouldn't guarantee that starting eleven would start away at Brighton. You know what I mean? I think he is going to be a horses for courses manager. And I hark back to the the interview that um, that John did with um, Gwilym Balagay. Um, that's still available for people to to watch um, exclusively on Claret and Blue YouTube. Um, and is that you know, he can't be defined by one system. He's defined by his flexibility and his adaptability and his in game management. So mm-hmm. you know, whatever I thought about it at one o'clock. By 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 quarter past two, um, I was pretty excited about it. I must admit. Oh, there's a comment here from Andy, and I didn't see this because I was in the stadium with very little service whatsoever. Saying you've got a trusted team section, I read so many comments moaning about it. It's annoying. I don't really get the kind of pre-match. I mean, we do previews and stuff, which again, I've never been a huge fan of because you're guessing a lot of the time. I think this might happen. I think that might happen. And it's the same with team news. You can see a lineup where you think, oh, "I'm not convinced by that," and they win. And other times, you think, "Oh, the perfect perfect lineup," and, and you lose, or you're three 0 down at half time or something silly. So I don't really get this kind of polarizing. Oh, what a rubbish team! Emery out, whatever. And then you go on to do something. It's just let's see what happens first before we get carried away. Um, but just on the system and the kind of tactical flexibility that you just mentioned. In the second half, particularly, and towards the end of the game, I don't know what system we were playing anywhere. We made five subs. Then Donker's playing like a, a target man up front, number 10 kind of roaming yeah. player. 
Leon Bailey's played a lot of the game up front as a second striker, I think, drifting in from the right-hand side and being near, near Ollie Watkins. John McGinn comes on, almost like a number 10 as well. So I kind of thought, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Emery's kind of 4-2-3-1 and two pivot midfielders and, and wide men coming in. I thought you might look at it and go, well, there's the two, there's the three, there's the one up front. But like I said, in the second half and towards the end of the game, it's just like, it seemed like there were players everywhere. You know, I, know, I know that comes with kind of confidence and you threw one up at that point, but they were closing down every ball. They were kind of swarming all over the, the shop together. And you kind of wonder how we've we been able to do that in what, my four training sessions Emery's had, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, if they've done one every single day. It's such a shift in kind of identity already that, you wonder what what will we see from a new Emery side twelve months down the line, not not four training sessions in. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that is the really exciting prospect, and I think you know to add to your players all over the place. And Edwin Conza went on on, on yeah, yeah. Driving, driving runs in the last twenty minutes of the game. Uh, I tell you what, what struck me, and I'm very nervous for the the first couple of minutes. The real commitment to play out from the back, mm. and you know. The thing, the thing that the thing that I noticed or that, that that resonated with me was it was almost don't force the issue of this football match. Don't force the issue if you can exert an element of control over it and keep the ball and try and build up spells of possession. Then eventually, eventually there will be moments that you can pull pull the opposition apart, and then you can go, then you can go after them, then you can mm. bring everybody into action like that, and. I thought that was the case. There was a couple of times, I think, it, it, even when we were nil-nil, Martinez, you know, got his foot on the ball, hadn't he? You know, on the edge of the box and almost inviting Ronaldo to come yeah. just so he could then have an angle to give it Mings. And, you know, if, if Mings was closed down. I mean, I, I looked at Martinez today and he is, he's such, I don't know, he's such a likeable, as oh, I yeah. He's such a likeable, lovable player. And some of his passing range, I don't know if we've said this before, but I think he's the Argentinian Sid Cavins because <laughs> pinging, pinging kind of little kind of cross fields, when the, when the, the short ball wasn't on, he'd ping it into the fullback. Um, and but also, thought, let's not forget that Gerard effectively stopped that because there was a period when Martinez first came, his distribution was excellent and he'd start yeah. counter-attacks by a long throw oh, or yeah. a nice kick down to a fullback on the halfway line. Yeah. And that stopped in the last... I don't know, six to ten, ten months under Gerald. So he, he was clearly actively being told not to do that. Um, just on the playing out from the back thing, me and my dad always say about like you know, kind of that nervy, you know, what if we do make a mistake here? Or what if we do something stupid? You know, we're Aston Villa, you know, we'll roll it into our own net or something. Yeah. When it works though, you can see why people do it. You, you draw Man United in for that first goal and, and ping up a ball and, you, and you're through basically. And there's a few occasions throughout this afternoon where you're two or three passes away from carving open Man United at home and you think, well, yeah, where's this been for the last year? It's the same players. Um, I think it's going to be a test of all of us in the next couple of years, potentially, of how brave we're prepared to be. I don't mean brave by playing gunko football, but for me, if Emery's insisting that we play like that, and you're right, play, played effectively, it does eventually open teams up. You move them around and you, you mm. find spaces to, to, you know, to, to hit and to threaten. But... To become proper, you know, I thought we did it well today, but to be properly proficient in that, there probably will be a couple of mistakes yeah, along the way because you need to keep playing it to get better at it. And mm. so it's 
And I think there's always times that you've, I've thought, oh, we haven't got the players to do this. Just pump it along. Just keep it simple. Don't do anything silly. But like you say, with practice and with a manager that that will implement that properly, it is an effective form of attack, effectively from defence. Yeah, and he will bring in players. You know, the ones who can yeah. do it will stay with him, and yeah. he'll make them better. Hopefully, the ones who can't, he will play some with better players who can. Hopefully, that's the plan. But I almost think it's a little bit of what we may need to be and how we need to see his, his reign completely as well. Mm. Speaking to the, the, the fellow next to me, chewing his ear off today and saying three years, I know he signed a four and a half year contract. Let's say three years from now, I think if we trust Unai Emery, he will have Aston Villa in a better league position. So we'll be higher up the table, but not only that, he will be able to have set the club up. So it's in a better mm. position and it can yeah. go back to going forward. Now that's not just say that that's, that's not to say we can't forgive him. We can't. We can excuse him every single mistake he, longs, uh, he makes along the way. Of course, there'll be things like that. But it's how much we hold our nerve as a fan base, and how much the board hold their nerve, and mm. how much the owners hold their nerve. This guy will make our club better, but we've got to be a bit braver during the tough times. Um, mm. and we've got to try and almost, you know, suspend our frustration a little bit. Yeah, there's a comment here from uh, Dave. This is the point we talked about after Brentford. Did Martinez win the toss again and attack the Holt first? And we talked about it in the Brentford podcast that Martinez was captain that day and changed, well, we changed a, a kickoff. Was that Martinez's decision? I said the Brentford goalkeeper had the sun in his eyes in the first half, so possibly it was Martinez that won it and thought, you know what, you're going to have the sun in your eyes, I'm going to change it. Now, again, I don't know whether Martinez won it today, but it seems like no coincidence that the same captain plays two home games in a row and we happen to, to switch ends again. I quite fancy this attacking the whole end thing first because it's worked so far that we're scoring goals early in games. So if that is a, a like a conscious choice from Martinez to switch it, it's working, isn't it? Maybe this is where we've been going wrong this whole time. Well, I don't, I don't know whether it was Martinez who won the toss, but the interesting thing for me is that as an old Villa traditionist, I used to hate attacking the whole end first half because I used to think that you need to attack the, the whole 10 second half so they can get you over the line. And maybe that is a negative thing because if you, you tune up first, whole 10 first time and get yourself into a 2 0 <laughs> yeah. lead within 10 minutes. And I saw John Terry got involved in um, a, a Twitter conversation with a couple of Villa fans uh, mm. after the, the Brentford game. And he, he said, I would prefer, you know, a, having come to Villa Park as an opposition player many times, as well as being involved as a, as a Villa player and coach, I would, I would always prefer to kick towards the whole 10 second half as a opposition player because I think the whole 10 can get into you quite early mm. in the first half and then, uh, you know what I mean, and intimidate you a little bit. So it's um, it's an interesting one. Just on the Martinez as well. You seem sizing up the free kick. Yeah. Just, scored from. Yeah, just very quickly, as a comment from Mark, it says that apparently Ronaldo won the toss according to Sky. Whether that's true or not, I'm not sure, right. but whatever. Maybe a coincidence, but yeah, it's worked for so far. Uh, yeah, um, but yeah, that's like in front of us, Martinez, uh, kind of sizing up where to position the, the, the wall for Dean's free kick or where to position the Villa players in the wall. And as he was doing it, I thought, 
this is like untapped knowledge, essentially, for goalkeepers to get involved in that. Because he's looking at that thinking, well, if I was defending this free kick, I wouldn't want the Villa player or the opposition player stood there. So I'm going to go and stand right in line with Dean taking the free kick on the halfway line. And I'll tell you where to go for what I wouldn't like to defend against. And then he's running down, celebrating, like laughing at the dugout as he goes back to his own goal. He's like running all the way across with his head like that, like proper fist bump into Austin McPhee and and Emery down there in the dugout. He's going to get nervous now because there's Martinez completely taking his job. I don't be surprised <laughs> if see Austin McPhee turn up at body more with some goalie gloves. Um, I'm, I'm yeah, another little great bit of uh, kind of gamesmanship or you know, the dark arts or whatever you want to call it uh, to kind of get involved in that as a goalkeeper and as the captain and you know, whether how, how much effect that's had on it, I'm not so sure because it, it's a good free kick as well. But yeah, just again, a nice little, you know, if I'm doing a, a piece of things that happen during the game away from the, yeah. from the actual match itself, that'd be one thing that I'd highlight as a that, what an interesting quirk that was. Yeah. You know, another interesting quirk, which I don't know, it's found it, found it bizarre when, when the Holton started playing catch with the ball. Yeah. I love first half, I can't remember when uh, second, I think. <laughs> just had a game of catch for about a minute and you could just see, uh, I think it was Ronaldo getting more and more upset oh, and yeah. uptight. It's good uh, that, isn't it? Upsetting Ronaldo. Yeah, it's brilliant. That was one of the, um, that was one of the byproducts of the victory. That was, uh, was hilarious. Was it? Was it when he was complaining? He was calling for a, a corner, and it, we gave the, the referee finally gave something our way and gave a, mm. gave a goal kick, and the Holton started chanting, chanting "Sue" at him, crying a minute, which I thought yeah. was, uh, I thought it was very amusing. Yeah, love stuff like that. Little Mings, Ronaldo, spat or whatever I you mean, want to call it. Did he have not back either? What happened? No, I've not. He kind of saw it out the corner of my eye unfolding a little bit of. Argy Bargy, I don't know who started it. I think they were both booked, weren't they? Which is the the standard kind of refereeing. I mean, we've got VAR to intervene now if anything was more. And they did check it in there for violent conduct. But I don't know who for in the stadium. It just said violent conduct. So I thought, well, it's probably against Mings, isn't it? No, Man United and Aston Villa. If there's VAR intervening, it'll be to our, you know, to our, uh, yeah, that was it. To Man United's benefit. Um, but yeah, I think both got booked. So I don't know what came from it. But again, I thought, well, if he's not sent off Ronaldo for that, he's wound up. And I like that. You know, just Ronaldo being wound up and upset and looking like he might cry in a minute and flailing his arms around or whatever, that's yeah. worth it alone. Well, that's probably, well, I say probably, probably end up drawing him in the FA Cup. Um, that's <laughs> probably the last time we're going to see Ronaldo at Villa mm-hmm. Park, um, yeah. certainly in a Manchester United shirt. So I'm so glad that he didn't score and I'm so glad that he went home miserable. Um, just on Coutinho very quickly Ash tweeted um, from Emery's press conference that he's injured uh, quadricep something in your leg I think Uh, I don't know how long it will be but today he couldn't play and he's not going to play until after the break it's a muscular injury so I mean not a huge loss is it Coutinho not being available to be honest so we've played no he's not but I hope we don't I hope we don't write him off completely no he's got a fresh start like everybody else yeah, I hope that um, Emery can. I hope the he, he gets the break, um, and when he returns, we, we we're able to to find out what makes him makes him tick. Because it'd be mm-hmm. such a Villa thing to do to have a player of that quality and for him to just you know disappear um, with with hardly really making his mark. Um, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he wouldn't have got in that team today, would he? Yeah, if the team is poor without him, I'm not not really that bothered to be honest. Yeah. Um, like I said, this will be a little bit all over the place. Try to do it in chronological order, but we've gone into the game now. Just quickly, the pre-match 
kind of atmosphere and, and stuff around the game. There was the whole end display, um, which looked really good. I wasn't quite sure what it was trying to be at first. Um, there, was no, there weren't enough people there, were they doing it at first? It looked a bit... Yeah. I, I imagine those cards have something like, like hold up when the players come out or something and yeah. some people went early like a couple of minutes before and there was a few spodges of blue around and I thought, yeah. is this going to be like AVFC or was it a lion or whatever? And I was trying to yeah. think, well, what's this going to be? At first, it was like the kind of painting that your kid had painted at nursery and you said nice yeah. things about it and then by the end, it was like a Picasso masterpiece by the time everybody got the memo. Um, it looked good. The atmosphere was great. The atmosphere was it was great. Good, yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about atmosphere a lot on this podcast, and you know, you're kind of lacking a little bit in that kind of two way street of the players needing to give us something to cheer, but also Wilson needing to kind of bite the bullet and 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 cheer them, cheer them no matter what. Um, but yeah, it was good today, and, and no surprises that coincides with one of the, the best results of the season. That is one of the best atmospheres of the season throughout as well. Yeah, it's, it's any football stadium, particularly Villa Park, is at its best when it's a proper mutual appreciation society, yeah. isn't it? And, and, and both sides, the fans and the and the team, are, are, are provide doing their bit. Uh, again, the thing that amused me was when the whole ten called Unai Unai gives a wave, and he was actually pointing directions rather than waving. <laughs> but the, the whole ten cheered. Him, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Big fan of that. Um, um, again, the other thing, pretty well, much the John McGinn song came round and we had to remember who his man he was this time because <laughs> he's been Bruce he's been Smith he's been Gerrard and now he's, he's Unai Emery so it's a good job that Unai Emery fits the song isn't it and it's not yeah, well, Andre man or whatever brilliant, to be honest I think, I think that's uh... <laughs> but yeah no it was brilliant we've had a really, I've had a really lovely day thank you Dan well again, some, again something we talked about on the podcast of and privately as well of oh, Villa Villa Sunday, a bit of a chore. And some people will look at that and go, oh, no, I always love going to the Villa, blah, blah. And it is, you know, going to the football is good. The football is the bad thing that, that ruins it usually. But you do sometimes think, oh, I've got to watch 90 minutes of Villa today. Like, that could, that'll be a drag or whatever. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. But it was nice to be able to look forward to a game and be excited about a fresh new era and to come away from it and having a good day, uh, a three points and a performance that was worthy of something, you know, worthy of the pre-match excitement. Um, yeah, it's nice to to come away from Villa Park feeling like that and, and having that kind of optimism for the next game of going, you know what, we might beat them again on Thursday night. That's a nice place to be in. Yeah, I mean, let's just. Um, my dad, when I was walking away from the ground, he said something about you know they need to need to have a serious look at their away form. And I said, Dad, Dad, look, just <laughs> let's just enjoy. <laughs> Wait more for the court, more than a quarter of a century for this one. Let's just at least get home, and we'll worry about the next game in a bit. Um, but yeah, it's it's got everybody with a real a real spring in the step, and I thought the um, jumping all over the place, place a little bit as per. But I thought the Ramsey goal as well was so important, the timing of it. Mm. Um, well, yeah, I think that ended up winning the game, didn't it? In effect, because it just gave us that little bit of kept them at arm's length again, really. Mm. Um, and a, a big a big shout out to to Ollie Watkins today from I mean I've been critical critical of Ollie Watkins about some of his approach play you know with all not all of us but lots of us have been critical about his finishing uh but the way he held the ball up and 
managed to manoeuvre it into space and to, to mm. get the move, move rolling for, for Bailey's opening goal was brilliant, brilliant centre-forward player. I thought he did really well. Yeah. And then his contribution for the um, for the Ramsey goal as well. I don't know. Am I being un- unkind to him? I think he was cutting it back for Buendia and it just happened. Well, it's... Put it in the area. Put it in the right area. Yeah, he's, uh, put, it, he's put it in the right area at a, a decent weight. And, you know, it's... if. If the goal isn't scored there, I'm not blaming Watkins' ball. I'm blaming no, that there isn't a man running onto it from from midfield. It might, might yeah. not have been intended for Wendy or Bailey, so it's a bad pass from Watkins. But I'd expect the midfield runner to be supporting anyway. So McGee and Ramsey, Dendonk, whoever should be there to to steer it home if it is a bad pass. Yeah, I, I'll give it. I'll give him the credit for it. Yeah, I'm not saying this is down to Emery's turnaround, but we've seen a occasion where Watkins would have attempted a shot there, and it would have, mm. you know, been easily gathered by the the. The goalie always he's hit the ball, hit a low hard ball across a six-yard box that's easily intercepted. So the fact that he's had the presence of mind to turn back inside and to and to put it into space around the edge of the area, and then Ramsey's just absolutely smashed that, hasn't he? Mm. Um, and I, yeah, I still, I, at that time when he scored that, I thought maybe, maybe, maybe we'll we'll win this. Then that kind of feeling went away because I thought, no, nah, this is still Man United, and mm. I've seen us blow two goal leads before. And then when Anthony Taylor, I think he's had a, a dreadful, a dreadful game. Um, Do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of the decisions. I think he was he was keener to book Villa players than he was Manchester United players. Mm. You know, he's probably needed to put a Man United shirt on when he's blocked that pass from um, was it Ramsey going out to the. I'm not sure off that counter attack. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah, so I just thought there might be a sting in the tower and then the six minutes goes up for the stoppage time. You're thinking, oh no, just get this over with. Well, again, I said I mentioned McDowell at the start. He was sat in front of me and he pulled out his phone with, I don't know, maybe four or five minutes to go and he starts filming the the atmosphere and started to sing LLLA and all this kind of stuff because we know we're we're, we're probably going to win at that point. He turned the camera around to pan up to me and I was like, whoa, whoa, steady on me because still five minutes left here. They could score two goals. Like, Let's not get carried away. Uh, but yeah, lovely to, to actually get over the line. Just on the the kind of timing of the goals, I guess, to get those first two pretty early, again, kind of sets the precedent, sets the tone of how you want, want the game to go. The atmosphere that starts well because of a new manager can continue for the vast majority of the first half because yeah. bloody hell, we're tuning up against Man United. You know, come to see the Villa etc etc to the Man United fans uh, that kind of us against them mentality the uh, the Luke Shaw equaliser or the um, Ramsey own goal I guess it goes down as is peak Man United isn't it peak Aston Villa to, to concede in that manner just before half time as well you think if we get to 2-0 that's a, a great half reset in the second but again something that I don't know how Emery's managed to sort something in four training sessions or five days of the kind of mentality for Aston Villa to come out in the second half. Leon Bailey skins about two players and gets a shot yeah. off eight seconds into the second half, which is like, whoa, yeah. all right, we've started bang on fire here. But to get, like my dad said at half-time, oh, 50 minutes, it'll be 2-2. Two, two. Yeah, that's, that's how this goes now. We go into a slump. They've had their lucky goal. Something's gone their way. They'll come out and be better in the second half. They might make some changes and it'll be 2-2. And if it goes to 2-2 early, we'll probably lose. That's kind of the Villa versus Man United mindset, isn't it? You just feel like, well, they'll get something eventually. So for us to be the side that goes 3-1 ahead and get that next goal, you know, it's so important, isn't it, at 2-1 to get that next goal. If it goes 2-2, like I said, I think you're probably going to lose. To go 3-1, obviously you go on and win. Um, so for us to get it, and it to be a nice kind of team move as well, 
just kind of almost like not sit back and relax because you do still think, well, it's Man United. But for us to have two home games in a row now where we've been, for large parts of the game, been in total control, it's an unusual feeling, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I was probably normally more like your dad in that sense that you've been stung so many times in these on these occasions that that goal just before half-time was, was typical typical Man United. I actually managed to summon up some kind of optimism somewhere though when I was chatting at half time, as if to say, perhaps that perhaps that's a sign that we haven't got the game won, that we've got to mm. reset yeah. and we've got to come out and we've got to win the game second half, mm. rather than us, you know, almost resting on our laurels at 2 0. We've got to start this again and we've got to go and do the same thing again. Mm. Um you know that it's probably more you know, probably wishful thinking because I don't know why, why I thought that would happen, but it did happen. Um, and that goal, like I said, that, that Jacob Ramsey goal, almost Villa knew that and we told them they've got to go and make that happen because they mm. need... I think he's all about control. He's yes. all about being in control of your, your own destiny. And mm. if that means taking the safe option nine times out of ten, and then on the tenth time, you actually spring the surprise and you go for them, that's fine. Because if you if you can see ground, you can see possession, you're more likely to concede goals. Whereas if you're, yeah. you know, like I said, in control of your own destiny and making the right choices more often than not, you've got more chances of, of, of winning the football match. Um, mm. It's the we, one match in, you know, it's, we've yeah. seen managers come in and, and win their first fixture, albeit not against Manchester United at Villa Park. <laughs> Um, this is not vintage Manchester United, let's face it, but it's still, still a decent team for us to beat. I mean, they've but, not been vintage Man, vintage Man United for a long time and still managed to still beat us every single year at Villa Park or yeah. for not to beat them at Villa Park for 27 yeah. years. Yeah. So I think what I'm saying is I'm so excited and so encouraged by what, by what I've seen. Hmm. But, um, Unai and his players have set the bar pretty high now. So. Well, I said, like I said, I wasn't going to get too carried away with any managerial appointment because we've had so many false dawns. I want to see, you know, some come some, some kind of proof at Aston Villa on the pitch to make me go right. Yes, this is the right guy. This will work. And I mean, it's still only one game. But there has been encouraging signs today. We've obviously won. We've we've got rid of that hoodoo of twenty-seven years of not beating Man United at Villa Park. But it's still early to get too carried away I want to see it consistently from Villa that this is is the right appointment but it's a bloody good start to, to beat Man United on your, on your first home game let's not let's not be um, let's get let's not be wrong about that and, and kind of make out that it's not a big deal because it is um, just going back to the being in control thing me and John were speaking about the, the masterclass video that Emery did with the coach's voice a couple of years ago about the Sevilla Liverpool Europa League final and he's t- it's all in Spanish, so it's subtitled. But he's talking in that about Liverpool scored in the first half and they were 1-0 down at half-time um, and how like tweaks he had to make at half-time to eventually go on and win the game. And obviously Villa aren't 1-0 down at half-time here, but there's that kind of semi-sucker punch of the, the Man United goal and, and how that would have affected the dressing room and how it would have affected the dressing room in Villa years of, you know Villa years gone by is, well, we gave it a good go. Man United would be better in the second half and kind of shrivel up in, and die yeah. in the second half and in that video he talks about how he didn't really change anything tactically it's not it's not about that it's about mentality and about how we how we kind of approach the, the second half I don't have to change it in terms of personnel or systems it's about mentality and we've got to go after them we've got to make sure that we we change the game here it's up to us to go and make a difference and I wonder what what was said at half time 
you know, to, to, to make us come out so early. And like I said, Leon Bailey getting a shot away eight seconds in, scoring the goal four minutes into the second half. Just saying, you're in control of this game. You know, it's a lucky deflected goal. It's about us here. You've, we got on time intensity from, from the off. Once the, the whistle goes in the second half, we will make it 3-1 and we'll win. And having that confidence and belief in yourself to control the game and go, yeah, it's Man United, but we're at home, we're winning. I wonder what was said and, and how much of an impact that will have on, on Villa going forward from a, a mental point of view to have that belief in themselves. It's remarkable within the short time frame to have done that. Yeah, if you yeah. imagine, you know, I think the bits that I've seen of him, his English looks sound, sounds good. Uh, and I think he'll be able, more than able to communicate in English. But if he's been able, had to get his ideas over that quickly, I think I've seen a couple of interviews that the Villa players have given saying that he hasn't had one, one-to-one time with them yet. He's only mm. really spoke to them as a group. Um, I think it's, I think it's, it's really encouraging. Let's not forget, Dan, that effectively the squad of players that he was picking from today uh, is the squad of players that got battered at Fulham. <laughs> And self-destructed a couple of weeks ago, the squad of players that, you know, were undone too easily in the second half at Newcastle. Mm. So the thing I've heard a lot from him is talking about confidence. Now, I don't really know. I don't know how you instill confidence. I don't know whether it just comes or whether it's just arm around the shoulder or I don't know. But that seem they seem to be confident enough to adapt what he wanted straight Mm. away. So whether he's... He said, you just go and play. This is on me. You know, if things go wrong, this is on me. You just go and play. Um, mm. I don't know, but I want to see more of it. I want to see more of it. I think, think it was... Just give us give us our mojo back, I think. There was some discussion between Emery and Douglas Louise on the pitch, and then Douglas Louise went off to speak to Matty Cash. I wonder whether Douglas Louise is acting a bit of a translator. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Martinez is captain who he knows and, and could speak Spanish as well. Um, but his English is... He's good. He's on the pitch he, in the training videos and stuff. We've seen he's clearly talking to the players. It's not like he's got a translator on his shoulder having to, to get things across. And he might need that in big team meetings or whatever. Perhaps we'll, we'll probably never know. But his English is, is plenty good enough to, to be able to get his points across, I, I would say, from what we've seen so far. And kind of seen a lot about the kind of language barrier and stuff over the last few days. And we made the good evening joke on, on the first podcast we did when he was announced. And I immediately went... Pff. That was a joke. I'm not going to go into that. There's not something I want to be to be doing on a regular basis, and I've not seen much of that from Villa fans really. But something I started about like, giving them the respect he needs and don't take Mick out of his accent and stuff like this. It's like, yeah, we understand all that. Like his his English is far better than my Spanish and his French and his Basque and his Russian or whatever else he can speak is far better than anything I can do. Um, but if you put all that to one side for a sec, it is about how he communicates as a football person to his football players. And it seems that after four days, he's managed to get across his his, his you know, reasons and his beliefs to the point of ending a twenty seven you know, twenty seven winless twenty seven year winless streak against Man United. So now let's be patient with him. Let's see where he can take us. So if he can do that after a week or less than a week of being in charge, it does kind of feel like if you're patient with Emery and you let him kind of have control of the club to a certain extent, he will be successful. I know it's a very kind of easy thing to say. Go, oh, this manager will be successful and just kind of pin all your hopes on that one thing. But from a player's point of view, if you listen to this guy and take on board what he's telling you, he's so meticulous with detail, you should improve as a player and you should get results off the back of that. So you're talking about instilling confidence. They can now just go back to this game and today and go, look what you did there on the first game we had after four training sessions. If we could do it then, a year down the line, we can do this. And he can bring his players into to implement that style as well. So, 
you know, talking about kind of the long term of, of Unai Emery and getting the, the long term deal and it's the longest contract we've given to a manager since Remy Gard. And obviously that didn't go exactly well. So the announcement actually for Remy Gard sounded like he's one of the most highly rated coaches in Europe or something. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Astonished but, what you're saying, just what you're saying about Unai. And we only see the bits <laughs> that we're allowed to see through yeah. with our own eyes on a match day, but we see the bits that Villa release through the socials and through, through the club website and stuff. So I'm basing this on a very narrow kind of view of him, I suppose. But he does seem likeable. He does seem like yeah, the yeah. kind of person who you, you'd trust and who you'd want to, you'd, I'm saying, run through brick walls for. But you'd want you'd want to work with. You want to learn from. You'd want to mm. see what what has brought him this success before. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm all aboard the Unai train. Mm. Yeah, I fully agree. I feel like. If you give him time and you give him three or four seasons, he will do something. He will get us into Europe. He will win a trophy. It feels like it's kind of that's his goal that eventually he will do that. Yeah, um, I reckon we tell him that the um, I reckon we tell him that the, the League Cup match on Thursday. I reckon we tell him it's Europa League um, <laughs> all the way through the competition, and we just say, yeah, yeah. We've, we've drawn a lot of home. home Not base teams, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Um, just on his kind of, you know, we've talked a lot about there about his language and his tactics and stuff. Just on his in-game management as well today, obviously a, a difference to first of all Ten Hag, who probably stood in the the Man United dugout for about three minutes throughout the entire game, and also obviously Steven Gerrard is predecessor. So again, we've talked a lot about kind of being a lot of shots of him on Sky, being sat slumped in his seat, and we're just wondering, does he know how to change this? Does he get involved or not? Like training videos of him not really being involved on the sidelines while Marco Biel or whoever takes a session. Then Unai Emery comes in and we've seen him lead a training session, ping balls around, get involved, be, be part of that. And then join the game itself, be on the touchline for pretty much the entirety of the whole game, pointing, loads of thumbs up. He loves a thumbs up, Unai Emery. Shouting, pointing, running the whole length of his technical area. And the one moment that, that kind of stands out and there'll be loads of moments that people have noticed throughout the game as well. There was the kind of counter-attack that hit the ref. So yeah. Man United had a bit of a spell of pressure anyway, and we eventually won the ball back and went to go on a bit of a counter, ball hit the ref, big groans, etc. But as soon as we won the ball back, Emery wasn't bothered about any of that. He was straight running down, well out of his technical area, a few yards out of it, near near where I kind of see it. And he's fuming at, at Kamara and Ings and whoever else were down there to get them on. He wasn't even watching any of that, that counter-attack and when the ball hit the ref. He was yeah. too focused already thinking, right, we've had a bit of pressure there. I need to make a change. And yeah. that in-game management to go, right, Kamara, he's going to come on and sit much deeper. Then Donker or McGinn can push forward a little bit. McGinn can come on as a bit of a 10. He can still offer a bit of a threat, but he can come back as well. Um, and there'll be other occasions that people will have noticed that he was, he was really vocal with a particular player or, or always had a, an eye on, on the dugout. Didn't have that from Gerard. Didn't have that kind of in-game management to to be proactive and think, right, I've got to make a change before something happens. It was always, yeah. ah, I've scored, now I'll do something about it. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things for me. I think I put the message on social media the other day that I don't think we should fall into the trap of saying everything Gerard was appalling and everything Emery is brilliant. You know, like mm. he's got a better centre part in and his teeth are shinier <laughs> and his whistle's louder on the training ground and stuff like that. Because I think this guy's got enough... Is high enough caliber for us just to look at the complete package. I think we can judge him. I would judge him more on what he's done in, in for that game in the second half of that game, like you say, 
spotting dangers, spotting spotting threats before they become threats. You know, he's used all five of his substitutes, um, and you know, it looked like Dendonka was tiring towards the end, so he's put Sanson on, and he's just been he's just been quite clever. Um, so I don't know. I, I just <laughs> we're going to have to wait until probably the end of January before we can do this as a proper sample of what he's mm. all about. So you'll have to forgive us. You'll have to forgive us if we're getting too excited about what we've just mm. seen. But we can only judge it on that so mm. far. Uh, and so far, so far, so good. It's- well, these podcasts are always post-match debrief. It's about the 90 minutes we've just seen. It's about today. And obviously, it's, it's one game for Emery. So that's all we can react off. And I hope we're saying similar things about him in, in six months' time and 12 months' time. And, and it doesn't always go pear-shaped. And we go, oh, what happened when we beat United? It was all going so well. What, what happened to Unai Emery? But yeah, like I said, it feels like, and again, lots of clubs and lots of fans will say this about no appointments. If we give him time, this guy will get it right. But he's done it before. He's got the experience. So it should work out like on paper. Football isn't played on paper. Unai Emery should be able to bring success to a mid-table football side because he's done it before on a, on a couple of occasions in Spain. He's well at Arsenal as well. It's fireworks can going just, off, by the way. Can I just um, have a moment about um, this fella who's in our row? At the top of the tree. Yeah, I don't, yeah. don't care if he watches it. Uh, <laughs> he always, and I can understand it most of the time, we're normally losing and everybody's flat as anything. He always leaves before the end and he left. We got six minutes of injury time. He left even before the final whistle. And I'm thinking, we've not beaten these for 27 mm. years at Villa Park in the league. This is our new manager. Villa Park's absolutely bouncing. Mm. We're playing well. We deserve to, we deserve to, to win it. Don't you just want to stay for a little bit of the acclaim at the end? Unless he thought it was going to go, you know, go pear-shaped. And I just, I think, listen, I don't like traffic. I'm not a fan of traffic. I park 20 minutes away from Villa Park, so I don't get, don't get stuck in traffic. But surely you've got to stay for the end of that. And I just, it made me think, does he even know that the kind of, that the boat hit the iceberg in Titanic? Did he stay that long? You know, does he know how it unravels at the end of Usual Suspects? Because he's... No spoilers, I've never seen it. <laughs> well, ask him, mate, because he won't. But he won't give any spoilers because he ain't seen the end of it either. And I'm just thinking, I don't know. If it was just a one-off, he might have had, had an emergency to dash to or whatever. But he does it all the time. Just thinking, yeah. Is there no if joy? We're... Is there no shared joy in that moment where we actually celebrate the final whistle because we've actually achieved something as a collective? Yeah, that was interesting as well. Emery straight down the tunnel. Which he I thought was a... got a lift on with that fella. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I thought that was a little bit, a little did bit he, strange. Did he applaud or did he do a? Because we moaned about Gerard for going. Well, this was it. Yeah, I, can't, I mean, I've seen Gerard stay out longer after after a defeat, which says, says it all. Um, but Emery was straight down, handshakes with, with Ten Hag, maybe a little ripple, uh, and then straight yeah. down, a few handshakes and stuff down by the tunnel, and he was gone. Yeah. And that was it. Um, which again, I thought was you trying to get a photo with me? This is this is a sad Villa fan. We've not won a trophy. We beat Man United at Villa Park. <laughs> I wanted a photo with me kids. Well, well they'll have kids the next time we beat them, so it was worth taking a photo. <laughs> yeah, I'll be a grandad, be a grandad yeah. the next time we do. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was semi interesting. And again, I've talked about the pre-match press conference at the start of this, and I suppose this is a good way to kind of shoehorn it in. Kind of the fanfare that's come with Unai Emery. And your thoughts on that? Because when it was Steven Gerrard, it was, you know, big name, ex-player. There was a lot of kind of national media attention on it because of who he was. There was a lot of this Perslow Gerrard narrative. Oh, you know, well, I know him, but we don't go to the cinema together, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And we probably all got carried away with that to a certain extent. Did did a decent job at Rangers, come down, new Premier League manager, shiny, exciting, let's see what happens. And as much as Emery is, there's been a lot of kind of like social media love for him 
from Villa fans. I don't know whether there's been much national media interest in Unai Emery coming back, apart from the, oh, it's the guy that was at Arsenal after Wenger, he's back, everyone, kind of like, let's see what he does this time. Um, it's definitely positivity amongst the Villa fan base, but kind of the external fanfare that comes with it, and then the stuff that Villa have put out as well, in comparison to, to the early days of Steven Gerrard, that I don't know whether this is work permit issues, but he's kind of announced but then we don't really see any pictures or video of him for ages and then we get an iphone picture of nasef and, and wes taken at some point uh, and that just gets on social media then there's an interview a couple of days later and a press conference a couple of days later it's a bit of a training video but still not a great deal even the unveiling press conference only lasted about I don't know, six or seven or eight minutes or something it wasn't this huge deal um, and then today, the, the pre-match stuff of, of him coming out is kind of muted to a certain extent because of the, the Armistice Day stuff as well. And then he straight down this one at the full time and it's kind of like, it's a big kind of deal, big deal appointment. But the kind of fanfare around it hasn't really been as big as I might have expected it to be. I don't know whether yeah, it's the kind of lessons that. learned. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I don't mind the way that it's been, it's been unveiled and announced and introduced to us in little installments. So I don't mind that. I'm not sure the press conference was that different to the Gerard one, really. I mean, you'd still got still got Perslow and 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 Johan Lange. Lange, Lang, Lang, Lange. Um and the manager there. You know, he's not Perslow's not gonna suddenly Villa wouldn't entertain questions where where you're asking them about in that environment about Gerard and what went wrong. And if I'm being honest, like the evil journalist in me would want to use that opportunity to ask a question but to try and find out and to quiz the hierarchy about what what did go wrong but equally i don't think that's very respectful for, for Unai emery in that situation mm. this is his, his unveiling you know what i mean why should he be hijacked with with that basically so yeah i don't i like the fact that it was a, a little natural photo with with Suiris and um and emery uh I like it because, again, I've said before, I want the, I, want, I want to see action on the football pitch before I get carried yeah. away. So I don't need a 25-minute sit-down interview and, and a million press photos and you know, being all over Sky Sports and stuff. I'd rather us do what we've done today, be kind of go a little bit under the radar. But the game wasn't on TV today and we beat Man United and we kind of let the football do the talking. And I'm not seeing anything from Emery post-batch apart from one quote, which says, oh, it's gone off my phone, but something like, I'm proud to be here and I'm glad we beat Man United. Oh, I'm a privileged man to be here and to win again them is the quote Villa tweeted with the video which obviously I can't watch just yet um so again I, I like the I like the low-key element of it I don't I don't need flashy fanfare big name sexy Stephen Gerrard appointment I, I want proven football manager to win games before before anything else yeah he's probably getting his practice in for when it doesn't go so well this pound now yeah. said well listen you can't knock me I used to I, <laughs> I never used to do it another yeah. tunnel when I when, when we won um, yeah I mean no, you I'm mentioned about the general thing and stuff on the way in and yeah, yeah. You mentioned the Gerard thing, and it's not the opportunity to ask it, but I did find it semi amusing that that Perzo was kind of sat there going, "This is our biggest appointment since we got promoted." And it's like, well, the last one was pretty big as well, and we got that one wrong. Yeah, so let's kind of acknowledge much, that yeah, to a certain extent. Many, 
you kind yeah. of laying it on thick like that, almost kind of trying to completely brush over the fact that got the got the last one spectacularly wrong. I thought he looked a bit nervous. I did. I think I think he ended up calling the the co-owner Weds Wed Seasons. I think he stumbled over his his witness and we, I'm always no, we all do. Uh, I just thought he looked a little bit uncomfortable and nervous, um, but. You know, it doesn't matter. I, I, I don't, I don't, don't know really know why I brought it up. It's just we've not spoken about it on the podcast. I thought we should touch on it, but we've had a game since then that we've won. So let's let's move on from the presser and let's move away from the game as well because I think we've probably talked about everything in the game that we wanted to. Unless there's anything else you've it's not just mentioned just thing yet. That, that annoyed me, and this was before the the game. And I think I must be turning to a, an old an old prude or something. But I had to meet a fellow and a Villa fan, and I met him by the. Um, by the McGregor statue, and it was hammering it down at rain, so everybody was hiding under whatever shelter they, they could do. This was about half past one, half an hour before the game. But just seeing the McGregor statue, the plinth of that statue, turn into a rubbish bin. There's all yeah. kind of empty cans and plastic pint pots and all these kind of things. And I just think, I know it's raining, I know people aren't going to go searching far and wide for a bin, but is there not a bin? I probably should have looked myself. Those, they've got those big, like, Industrial bins by the, the dugouts by McGregor Stanks. That's where I go in. So put your rubbish in the bin. Yeah. So I just found found it looked a bit just a bit cheap and nasty. And I think we should treat treat things treat our property with a bit more respect than that. But yeah. Anyway, I don't want it to install There's bins everywhere. Put your rubbish in the bin. I'll take it home and put it in the bin. Um, let's talk about the badge quickly. Two new badges released this week. Um, I think it was supposed to come a little bit earlier and then Stephen Gerald was sacked and it probably wasn't the right time, to be honest. Yeah. Um, we've talked about this kind of stuff a little bit before with like the new stand and stuff and I've always kind of poo-pooed it a little bit and gone, look, I want to win football games. I don't really care about a new stand. I don't really care about a new badge, new kit, training range, whatever. Win some football games. That's all I'm really bothered about. But we have got a vote now on this round, round badge or the lamp not badge. Now, sure. What? I'm not going to vote, vote right now, have I? Hey, I'm going to do it right this second, but fans have got to vote. Oh, I mean, it's a deadline for it. It's Wednesday, I think it is. Yeah, I'm sure okay. it's Wednesday. There's this round badge and the lamp badge. And there's a lot of talk about the lamp badge before it was announced. It's a shield. It doesn't really look anything like a lamp. So that was marketing speak, isn't it? Um, and about the, the lion being the opposite way around because it's the lion before was looking backwards when we, we want to move in the right direction. So the lion's got to face forwards now. Oh, I just don't care to be honest about the badge. It's a it'll be the round one because everyone's asked for a round badge for years, and it, the round badge is better than the the shield badge. But I'm not convinced either of them are any better than some of the social media ones I saw knocked up by supporters. To be honest, so I don't really know who's voted on getting it to these two. But like, I would like some tweaks on these two before I voted on either of these two. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. What do you think about it? Do you care? Do you want like the round one? Do you like the the lamp one? Or are you not bothered at all? I just think it's an impossible job, isn't it? It's an impossible job. How do you find something that pleases 40,000 match-going fans and half a million, a million, whatever whatever we want to claim, however, claim, however big we want to claim Villa are? How do you please all those people? You don't do well, you're not. Oh, yeah. We could talk, we, just you and me were sample size. If you could say shield and I could say round, and that's you and me versus you know one v one. So you're never going to please everybody. The vast majority well, it's of that, round. A dad and the lad sitting next to me. The dad's voting for one, and the lad's voting for the other. So it's just cancelling out each other's vote mm. anyway. Um, yeah, I've seen all the stuff that the, the shield one. People saying the shield one looks a little bit pro Evo or looks a little mm. bit MLS, and the round one. You know, is it dynamic enough? Does it does it 
looks a bit like shy enough to go to and, all, and all these all these kind of things. I don't know. I think Villa have tried. They've tried to make this democratic, but tried to make a process democratic that can't really be democratic. Mm. So you know, should it have been a case where they should have almost sounds a bit like a blue blue Peter badge competition or a used to be a program called. Um, heartbeat where you used to send in your own artwork and they'd show it on the gallery should it have been a case we have seen lots of really good examples on social media should it mm. have been a case they just bad ask, ones as well <laughs> ask people to fire in theirs you know shortlist it to six or ten and then go from there and then 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 recruit the external graphic mm. design firm to actually kind of polish polish at that stage um but I don't know. I think they're damned if they do, and they're and they're damned if they don't. And I suppose if they uh, if they got a, a fan contributing the winning design, they'd be after paying them millions of pounds worth of royalties for the for the next however many years. Um, so I don't mind. I don't mind. What, what do you think about the line being the opposite way around? That seems a big talking point amongst amongst supporters that it's the opposite to what it should be, and it it looks like it's been flipped and stuff. Again, I don't care. I think it, it looks odd. I think it looks a bit like change for change's sake. I know they've explained it with this marketing spiel, you know, we're a forward-looking club and stuff mm. like that. Um, I saw, I, I was nosing into a, a Twitter thread that you that you contributed to the other day with the, the guy you got on. Is it Rob, is it Rob Hardy? Who's the, no, what's his name? Who's the guy who's the shirt designer? Oh, uh, Rob Warner. Rob Warner, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Rob. Uh saying he'd have liked to see just the kind of um, embroidered on the shirt and if somebody did an example of it and it looked, mm. it looked pretty good. Um, well, they could still do stuff like that, couldn't they? Uh, this is yeah. why, I, why I'm not really that bothered about it because whatever you have, you could go, well, this season we'll just grab the line. It's a special 150-year anniversary. We've got the line with AV underneath it or whatever. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm not massively bothered. Like, either of those badges are fine. If they'd have done one, like, you know, remember when Leeds tried to do that badge a few years yeah. ago? If it was something like that, fine, go crazy about it because it's terrible and that they, they, they U-turned on that, didn't they? It never went ahead. Um, but if it, either of those badges are absolutely fine, the one now is whatever. Again, do I really care? Not really. I feel like the, the ones that they've offered, because there isn't much claret on this one, is there? No. The one we've got currently. Yeah, there there's no, there's basically no yellow. yellow on the new ones either. And yeah. I wonder whether they would have looked more natural with a yellow lion still. But again... Not that bothered. I, said, I said the other day, the true judges, how would it look on a, an old man's leg? On an old <laughs> man's calf? What would the badge look like in faded, faded tattoo ink in 30 years? And that's how you should decide for me. It's a bit like shirts, isn't it? When a new shirt comes out and you kind of pick it apart and go, I'm not sure about this, not sure about that. And then you play a few games and it's it's done. Once we change the badge, it'll be done and that'll be that. Once it's plastered all over the the burger wrappers and the stadium and the kits and the, I don't know, key rings or whatever, you'll go, oh yeah, that's the Villa badge. And it'll be that and whatever we do under the new badge is what you'll associate it with. If we get relegated, you'll go, oh, that was the badge when we got relegated. Well, we a trophy. It. It'll be the badge that we won a trophy with and it'll be the new 1982 one. So exactly. we'll see what happens on the pitch. Like I said, it's just impossible to please all and please every single Villa fan anyway. I mean, there's some people out there who don't find my dad, dad jokes hilarious. Oh, unbelievable. Do you know what I mean? Like, like when you're talking about voting for it as well, I feel like I mean, this would be impractical, but it almost needs like every element to be voted on as well. Which line do we have? Which way does he face? What colour is he? 
Do we have AV? Is it AVFC? Is it Aston Villa FC? Do we have the date? Do we have the star? Is the star in the badge? Is it out the badge? Like, well, you got to vote on all those elements before you well, get to the stage. Just get Paul McGrath to choose it. And then they can yeah. say, this is what Paul McGrath said. Okay. <laughs> well, what, how can we argue? Let's get him. Let's pick it. You know, everything you know, Emery picks turns to gold at the moment. Let's let him do it instead. Um, I think that's it. Like I said we mentioned the badge just for the sake of mentioning it. I'm personally not that bothered. I like both, but I think it'll be round, and I think round is marginally better. Um, but yeah, just just on Uno, I don't know why I haven't quite got it fully formed yet. But I think there's a kind of come on Eileen chant around him. Mm. You know, like you give us Oh, interesting. I thought the last bit would come on, do night to do right. Come on, do night to do, but I can't get come on, Emery. Just he's just been going around my head, and I can't quite fully form it. So, if anybody wants to write the verse. Uh, and sing it back to us. We'll, we'll try I think you that. could have Unai, 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 Emery. Instead of Unai, Emery yeah. should be the last bit of that, I think. Um, and Dexy's Midnight Run is a local band as well. So, you know, if anybody wants to go away and uh, work it up for us, I'm, I'm going to Old Trafford on Thursday night, so I'll gladly sing it. I'll gladly get it started on It'll my own. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. That's the end of the show. I, I think um, I'll be heading back shortly. And I mean, three three massive Ws for me, by the way, today. First of all, I had a lovely hot dog at Villa Park, which we, which we really got to put a picture on social media. We used to have a burger and stuff at, at Villa in the, in the burger vans outside, but we've discovered these footlong hot dogs now that are they're better than the burger. So I had one of those. Obviously, Villa won. Second big W of the day. Um, thoroughly enjoyable day so far. Hot dog, Villa winning, Man United, perfect day. Get back home, obviously my parents doing the podcast because I've been dropping some equipment off here for something else. And uh, my partner texts me and says, what about Chinese tonight? She doesn't know about the hot dog. So I probably shouldn't really have a hot dog and a Chinese, but three big Ws in the day there. Chinese when I get back after Villa win. I'm all over the hot dog. I'm all over the Villa win. I'm not a massive Chinese. Really? Yeah. Really? That surprises me. I went. I've never really been a, a master, a, a, a connoisseur of the kind of sweet and sour. And I think when we went to Hong Kong with Villa in when was it 2011? 2011. Yeah. We went to this restaurant. Have you ever shown it yet? And it was like the chicken's head. Oh kind yes, of. yeah. You sent me a picture once, yeah. Yeah. So I think that might have put me off. Um, I've got lamb shank. I think is that what you got tonight? Lamb shank tonight. Yeah. So. Um, mm. Can I just give a quick shout out to somebody who not only um, accosted me and said nice things about you, but about me? <laughs> but he accused you of being miserable. He said you're too uh, miserable in game. Uh, so the fella was a was a Victor Meldrew. No, his name was <laughs> what was his name? John Reedshaw, I think he said. And I think he said he was from Yorkshire, but I needed a wee at the time, so I didn't really uh, chat for very long. But I think it was John Reedshaw, John Redshaw from Yorkshire. So I have told him that I'll try and cheer you up and thankfully Unai Emery's done the, done the trick anyway so I hope John and well, are both smiling today I'd like to think Villa people wouldn't think that whilst Villa are winning because there's no reason to be but when like, Gerard was on these big losing streaks people are going oh too negative in the comments it's like, what do you want me to say Would you, how positive can I be about Villa being bottom of the table or in the bottom three or whatever like, I'm, I've got every right to be annoyed and frustrated by oh, that don't, don't get grumpy you've just you've oh, finished just saying, three, three big dubs you know you've had just, your own you've got one so 
someone come up to me and said that they that they love the podcast and they were uh, someone else said something about the live show. I think they were had missed out on a chance to get a ticket. And McDowell again talked about talked about you and said, "Pass on my regards to Matt and the family," and that's how you were doing. What a man! Pass on my regards back to Mick as well. And we've sold that podcast, haven't we? I, I, I won't say it. I won't see him now to Boxing Day. There's no home going to Boxing Day, is there? So. Unless, unless McDowell's going to get a special guest invite to the live podcast event, which is a possibility. He could do, um, he could do. Yeah. Hey, Actually, you won't see him till Boxing Day, but guess what? Uno Emery, he's a B.A. Baraka style, isn't he? Hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, I was going to ask you, actually. How do you feel now? Like, is he? Now you've unwrapped Uno Emery and he's managed a football game. What is he? And he's B.A. Baraka. He's, he's my Mr. T doll. He's my Millennium Falcon. He's my first hi-fi that I had. He's my first... <laughs> Sony Walkman. He's probably my first um, whatever I had. Amstrad, Commodore sixty four, <laughs> whatever whatever presents I had that I actually enjoyed when I was a kid. Not that I'm getting carried away, you know. He's all of them wrapped with a bow. Right, great stuff. Uh, yeah, Clarence Blue Live uh, is sold out for uh, Friday the eighteenth of November at the Aston Inn. I don't know why I'm plugging it too much because no one else can buy tickets now, so I'm lucky for missing out. But uh, yeah, thanks for everyone for for selling that out in a couple of days. Um, it kind of is a bit more real now. When we first set the tickets live, I was thinking, oh, if we only sell out like ten in the first couple of hours, I'll be a little bit concerned that we're not going to, uh, you know, we're going to turn up there and it'll be like us for my parents, <laughs> your wife, or whatever. And it was just like, oh, there's there's ten people we know, and that's it. Um, so, I was going to drive your all the equipment there. Or, by the way, uh, that's my plan currently. Yes, oh, is that a problem? So I'm not having a drink. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, of course. I never thought well, about that. We'll, we'll take this off here. Okay. Don't drink and drive. Don't drink and drive, kids. I definitely shan't. I might have to get a lift. Yeah, not thought about that. We'll think about that near the time. But yeah, it's real now. It's happening. Uh, live podcast, Q&A with the 150 or so fans that will be there on the night. We've got a raffle with some pretty good prizes as well, which have started to arrive now at my house. And um, So thanks to the people that are sending me those, uh, raising money for the AVSC Foundation and Acorns as well. So we are filming it. There's a few people asked that they're kind of like gutted to miss out and we'll be live streaming it or anything. Um, we are filming it. It will be on the podcast channel. No, Joshua, you can't just turn up because it's a function room. It's got a limit. There'll be security and stuff. So everyone who turns up has a ticket. If you turn up without a ticket, you will be denied access. So I'd have to be really kind of miserable and negative for whatever John, whoever it was, said how negative I am. If you turn up without a ticket, you cannot come uh, Come in. So that's happening. Uh, less than two weeks to go. Start the preparations for it soon. We'll work out how we're going to get there and get back and get the equipment there. We'll have a chat about that later. Yeah, but Matt, thank you for joining me this evening as we approach one hour on the post-match debrief for beating Manchester United. Where I feel like we've probably not really spoken about Man United that much, to be honest. But uh, that's the way this podcast usually goes. So thanks to the you 700 know, odd so, know, so people that have tuned know, into the show. Uh, we appreciate you watching us as always. In terms of the next week or so of, of content, I'm not sure where we go next. Um, we might do one on Monday or Tuesday. Um, tomorrow or Tuesday. You're not going to do one after United on Thursday? Yeah, or the next one. Because it might be like a Man United preview for the Cup, maybe, if there's a presser. But I'm not sure, because we've just played Man United, so I don't know whether we'll do a preview or not. But, yeah, but it'll be Thursday night or Friday morning, we'll talk about Man United, and then we'll talk about Brighton on Sunday night. Uh, it's on TV, isn't it, Brighton? I think. So we'll do it Sunday afternoon. Um, and then it'll be Clamboo Live. So, Yeah. That's the outro. That's all the plugging and stuff I had to do. Matt, thanks for watching. Uh, thanks for joining me, sorry. Thanks everyone else for watching. And uh, do you want to give us one more rendition of that before we go?
Yeah, you're going to join in. Una, 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 Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the villa. Up the villa.